Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Northfield Radio Program. I'm your host, Caleb Gordon. So excited that you've come along for our journey this week. I'm honestly really excited that you guys are here this week to to hear the story of God's redemptive power and God's grace. Uh, just it's it's somewhat scandalous because, man, honestly, we don't deserve God's mercy. But man, that God steps out of eternity and enters our equations and transforms our lives is absolutely stunning. I think of Ephesians 2 and verse 4 where it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Like That is a phenomenal message. So this week we have on the program... A young lady named Angela Allison, she goes to our church and she has a story that I just think that needs to be told. And I am so excited that she agreed to sit down and just be vulnerable and tell about who she was and now who she is in Christ. And that's the beauty of the gospel, the good news of what Jesus Christ can do for every man, woman, boy, and girl. He can ransom and he can rescue. Like that's the good news. He can, he takes us when we are at our worst and transforms us into our best. So I can't wait for you guys to hear Angela's story. But before we get started, uh, I want to say thank you to our friends at Outpost Coffee. You guys have got to check out this amazing coffee company. They're local and they give back to the community and they are such a great asset. You guys have got to check them out. Outpostcoffeeco.com. All right, let's get into Angela's story. Welcome to the Northfield Nation. Angela, how are you doing? I'm so good. How are you? I'm wonderful. Glad that you have come on the show. So I, I want to just give this i mean the the idea of the show is what i want to talk about is just god's scandalous grace um god's god's big and god can just transform and change everything and and transform a life and that's literally what he did with your life right so i want to just sort of kind of get a thirty thousand foot view of your story and and what god's done in your life okay um absolutely So um, I grew up probably as your normal um, average child. Um, My mom and my family, we was in church um, as a kid. Um, I had went through some probably abnormal things as a younger child. Um, But anyways, my mom, she was a strong woman. She she took us um, to church as we was growing up. Um, But as I got older, I just kind of went my own way and um, started doing my own thing. And before I knew it, um, my life as it was, was out of control. I had been, I was married and um, we had a child and then um, I was divorced. So, um, or you know, we got divorced. So um, after that, things really, really um, just got worse. And, um, you know, I started mindling with drinking and you know of course smoking cigarettes which then everyone was doing sure um but then i started um then i just like i said really got um into some deep things and um including methamphetamines Mm. and um you know um just a world of um wrongly sexual behaviors um and it just kept going and going and going and um 
along with the sexual um, behaviors, I was um, with a man that was very, very abusive and controlling. Mm -hmm. And then the drugs was involved in that. And so it just kept getting worse. And so um, I was in and out of jail um, over and over and over. I just kept going back to jail, kept bonding out. Um, and then one day we was actually on our way to, um, you know, to, to pick up drugs and, um, this abusive boyfriend, he punched me in my face and wow. we was in the car. My son was in the car and, um, I just stopped it. I just stopped the car in the middle of the road and I'm, and we all got out and I made him, you know, walk away and walk and walk home. And I remember I just, I stood there and I just said, help, somebody help me. And nothing happened, nothing out of the ordinary happened, but I just <laughs> said it like, oh, somebody has got to help me out of this because it just kept happening over and over and over. And I couldn't, it was like the worst addiction that I ever had. Mm. And so I went home and, um, he had found a ride and I get home and he's there. And so we make up, same thing. Um, and I wake up the next morning to police knocking at my door. Oh, wow. um, they, was, they raided our house, they came in, um, they took my baby mm. and they took him to DHS. Um, they took me to jail again. And this time they set my bond at $400,000. Oh, wow. So I knew this was it. and. Sitting in that jail cell, it was kind of a relief. Um, How, so when you say relief, why, why did you feel relief? I just felt like it was finally over. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I had been enslaved to mm. so much. Um, and that even though I was in jail, um, I felt like just a relief. Like, oh, I can just be away from it all. So... While I was sitting in the jail, I was detoxing, of course. Yeah. And I think it was the fifth day in, um, they they called for church. And, you know, I had been super, super sick. And so when they called for church, it was like something just lifted me off of my bunk. And it was like, you're going. And so, so I they, was, they have a church. They had a church service in in yeah. the prison in the, in the jail or sorry this in the jail. jail just jail. jail yeah this was jail before prison yeah and so um they called for church and i'm i'm not sure what night it was maybe a wednesday night but these women come in so something just like lifted me off my bed and i was like was like you're going so i went and there was a lady that came in there and she told me the first story of hope that i had heard in a long time she had been to prison she had lost her children she had lost her husband she lost her whole life mm. including teeth everything everything um and she told me about jesus mm. and um and as soon as i heard it um i just felt it and i felt him saying this is for you this is what i have for you so um so we sat there we said our little prayer and i accepted jesus into my heart um, and I came out of there, the guards must've been looking at me crazy because I came out of there a wreck. You know, I was crying. My, my face was red. I was, you know, I was just a hot mess <laughs> to say the least. Right. And, um, and I go back and, um, I go into my cell and, um, 
So I just started, uh, they, they put me in with a girl who was in there for murder. Oh, wow. And, um, but she was a believer. <clears throat> and so her and I, we started reading the Bible. We started doing, um, you know, she had wrote, she had been in there for probably a year already, waiting trial. And um, so she had Bible studies sent in to her and stuff. So uh, we started doing those and um, things just started to change. Um, things within me started to change. Um, you know, my desire for the boyfriend um, started fading. Um, my language started changing. I felt like just something new was happening in me. Mm -hmm. And it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, after that, you know, I did that for several months in there with her. And then um, I got to see my son for the first time within that next week. Got to have conversations with him on the phone. Um, things just started getting better and looking up. And I finally had the hope in my heart that I, I had lost. Yeah. Um, then I don't know. Um, you know, you're, yeah, I mean, so you went, I mean, how long, you, you were in jail, mm -hmm. how long were you, was that, was that before you had a trial, did you have to go to, yes. go to court and, and go through the trial process and, and they convict you in the, in the, in the sentencing there in, in court and then you went from jail and you spent some time actually in prison, correct? Yeah, so when I went to court, they, you know, they prolong it for a little ways, but Basically, I knew I was going to prison, so when I went in, um, I just felt like whatever it was, I was going to sign it. I was just ready to go. I was ready to start over. So I went in, and they um, they had 64 years. They had all. I had 16 felonies and eight misdemeanors on the table. And um, looking at me, you would not think that um, I was that wild, but I was. <laughs> um, so they they um, offered me sixty four years, and these are. I love how you just said they offered you like it was like, hey, we're here. This is a it's a gift. Yeah. And you, I love how you just said that. That's so awesome. Yeah, yeah, like, and and it was, <laughs> and um, so I. So was, when the, when you heard the word when you heard the term sixty four years, were you just like? <gasps> Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And I thought, wow. Um, I'm, I was just feeling a little bit blessed that what they caught me with was it. Because I should have been in there for life. <laughs> probably, probably longer. I okay. should have been in there for life. Okay. So although it was alarming, it was very like, whew. Um, and if you know anything about prison sentencing, um, you know, they run them consecutive or they run them concurrent. So either they run them where you do them all together, but I got like five years for this felony, five years for this felony, five for this one, and they put it all together. So, um, basically a six year, um, was my controlling case and it was violent time because of trafficking. So that means you do 80% of your time. Okay. Um, and now that I wasn't aware of until I hit the prison yard. And when we pulled up to the prison yard, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It was like the green mile. Oh, man. <laughs> it had the razor wire at the top and the guards coming out with the mirrors, checking underneath your cars and your vans and searching you and stuff. Now, did, did, did you, were you brought in with, from, from like the jail to the prison? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, 
some family member drove you up and you were actually there. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, they, they shut off the phone um, before they do transport the night before. That way nobody's allowed to call family to maybe notify that there's a movement happening. Oh, wow. Um, you know, they take all your money and um, put it into a check. And so, yeah, me and another girl, we went and we went together. And um, then we did our intake, which is where... They, um, they take your lovely picture and they give you a number. And from then on, you are your last name and a number and that's how you're um, identified. Really? Um, so what what was your last name and number? Allen698688. Wow. And so when they do counts, when you go um, anywhere um, on the yards um, or to medical, you ha- that is what you're notified by. It's Allen698688. And, um, you know, whenever they was giving me my number, I remember praying to God, please give me an easy number because I can't remember numbers. I can't. Right. And he did. He gave me an easy number. Well, I mean, it's crazy that you still remember that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you get, you, you're, you're put into in the prison system. How long did you end up staying in the prison system? So you're in intake per se for 30 days and when you're in this 30 days you are in a cell with another woman and you are on lockdown for 23 hours a day Um, on the weekends it's 24 hours a day you get out you get your meal you come back Um, during the week you get to get out for one hour have a shower and take um, and have a phone call that's if you get in because there's so many other women in there there's over a hundred women and they're all trying to do the same thing at the same time so um, then from there is where they classify you like where can you go how dangerous are you and i was um, a lower level eligibility um, a medium security where we where they start you as a maximum and then um, i went to a medium security which is where um, really all of the um, amazing things started happening okay Um, so Let's let's go with what was amazing. What what happened that was amazing when you move from this area and you get you get put into your classification area. What what was it that took place that just sort of kind of rocked your world? Okay, so in the thirty day sanction that you're at the maximum security, um, you are not. There's no church. There's no. Um, there's no. You just you can't talk to anybody else but your one cellmate. So when I got to the minimum security. Um, it was amazing because they have church literally almost every night, sometimes multiple times a day. So it was a place for me to go and just soak in Jesus because I knew nothing about him. I mean, I knew the stuff from my kid. I knew my, my childhood. I knew the songs. I knew those things, but I didn't like know him, know him or what I was supposed to be doing as a Christian. So, um, while I was there and there was tons of, um, self-development classes, um, to grow you as a woman, as a mother, there was parenting classes, there was, um, anger management classes. I mean, anything you had an issue with in your life, they could get you, they had some, yes, they had something available for you there. So I signed up for all the classes. (laughs) I, um, now when you're in the classes, do you, is that can you get out of lockdown to do the classes? Yeah, so at the okay. at the minimum yard, there's dorms, and there was seven dorms, and there's 160 women per dorm. 
Okay. So it's a little bit different. You can kind of free roam more and there's a yard. You can go out and walk and exercise. You can actually go to your dinner hall. Um, you know, it's, there's more freedom okay. at, at the yard. Um, but when you're in kind of the sanction period, you're just stuck inside there. So you, you got out of the sanction, you got mm-hmm. into more of a minimum setup. So you had a little bit more freedom, but not a lot, but you, but it gave you access to those classes, gave you access to the, to the, uh, the resources to try to yeah. develop you as a person. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, you know, of course I met new friends. Of course I, I was seeing the people that I needed to stay away from. There was still people in there, women in there that were still doing the same things. Yeah. They were in the bathroom smoking cigarettes. They was in the bathrooms getting tattoos. They was, Oh my gosh, that sounds so <laughs> unhealthy and unsanitary in the bathroom. Very, <laughs> very. And so, um, so you kind of learned and there was girls fighting, you uh, know, all the things that you hear about and see on TV, yep. it became life to me. And it so was it's like, it's a real deal. It, it does happen. Yes. There's okay. locks and socks where the girls put a, a lock oh in a sock and they hit each other with it. Um, Ouch. it's all real and it's all very scary. Um, so, so all of that was going on around me. And of course I was like, okay, I want to be around that. Yeah. I'm not doing that. So you make it, you make an intentional decision to be around other Christian women Mm -hmm. that are in the, that have been saved in the prison system. So, so obviously the gospel is proclaimed in this setting. So you do have preachers coming in and sharing the gospel and and there's, okay. Volunteers. Oh man. So how, how vital would you say that that is, to, or how important would you say that is to make sure that there are pastors, preachers coming into the to the system? I can't even say, um, I can't even put a value price on it. It is mm. so valuable. Um, because had it not have been for the volunteers and the chaplain and the people that come in there daily, nightly, weekly, um, I don't know where I would have been. It would have taken me a lot longer um, to grow in Christ had it not have been for those people. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Um, so like, so you're in the, you're in this room with this, with this lady, you guys are studying God's word together. So they give you Bibles. Yes. Um, they provide Bibles, um, down from the chapel and you can also send off for some, um, and for Bible study. So there's people who also contribute by mail that are just as important because when you're, you know, whenever you don't really have a whole, whole lot to do to be able to sit down and do those Bible studies that these people, I mean, and then you write your answers and you send it back and they correspond with you. Really? And so you also create relationships with them and friendships. And, um, it was just amazing. Um, and then, so then the next thing that happened was they put up a, um, they put up a, a bulletin for this thing called Victory Bible College. And I just felt it in my spirit, like, okay, I need to do this. I need to try to do this. Well, there was a process. Um, So you had to fill out the application, which asked you several questions. Why do you want to do this? Why do you, you know, why is it important to you? What do you plan to get out of this? All these things. And I can't remember exactly how many applicants there was, but I know there was, I think, maybe 16 of us mm-hmm. um, that got approved and I was one of them. Wow. And so this made it where <clears throat> we could every day, Monday through Friday, we would go down to the chapel and we would all sit in our little room and we had a 
a curriculum to watch. We had tests to take. It was like they were actual exams. So it was like it was actual school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was actual Bible college where you could get a degree from it. Um, and it was a nine month fast track. And, um, and it was. <sighs> so you did complete it in. So I wish I could say that everything was just peachy once I came about became a believer <laughs> but in fact you mean there were trials still even after you, even after jesus came into your life uh, absolutely <laughs> okay <laughs> and maybe right. even some more all right y'all absolutely um so i became really sick and um i had to have a surgery done i had a, a tumor that was actually growing near my brain and had a really bad infection so i had to have it removed well when i did that um, and I had really bad hearing loss. It was just a ton of problems. Well, when they did the surgery, I came back, and in four days, I had a um, a blood clot form in my jugular vein. Well, because it's prison, and because a lot of women cry wolf that they're sick, um, and just oh, for attention wow. or things yeah. like that, I sat there for 16 days with a blood clot in my jugular vein. And um, the whole left side of my face was red and numb. Even my eye was numb or um, red, and my tongue was swollen. I just kept telling them I feel like something's burning in my throat, and um, they would not they would not send me out. So I sat there and I sat there and I sat there, um, and then finally I was walking to lunch one day with a friend, and I just passed out on the ground. So they finally take me to the hospital and they figure out, oh, she has this. Oh, it was, she wasn't lying. It was the Gosh, truth. It she was really the had truth. something wrong. Wow. She's sick. So, um, so anyways, I have to spend, um, I had to spend eight weeks on an extensive antibiotic treatment through IV in the hospital, in the prison hospital where you're literally, you have one foot chained to the bed all day long. You're just there. You can't move. Um, with an awesome Christian doctor, he took very good care of me. But by the time I came back, um, I had already missed too much Mm. to, to finish my course. But thanks to God. There is a way. There was a way for me to finish it when I got out. So. Okay, so you so you did complete it. I'm working on oh, it. Oh, you're still, still wor- doing oh, so it. So you're still doing it. I'm awesome. Still doing Very cool. It. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. So, how long were you in prison? A total of two and a half years. Okay. And I kept getting sicker and sicker after the blood clot happened. So finally, they sent me to they sent me back to Mabel Bassett, the place I started. Mm-hmm. Um, the maximum security because there was a place called the infirmary in there okay for the very sick people I couldn't even walk to get my tray I couldn't um, every time I took my medicine I just I was sick I was so sick um, so I went to I went there and um, within let's see I spent probably six months there and I went up for parole and that was at about the two and a half years in. And I was actually at the doctor when I went up for parole and my parole board. And um, they called my um, officer and they said, well, will you tell Miss Allen congratulations, congratulations, she's made parole. So I made parole and not even being at my own parole hearing wow. <laughs> at two and a half that's, years. That's, a, that's the sovereignty of God. Yeah. I mean, God in control of that situation. Yeah. So you get out, I mean, out of prison two and a half years after mm-hmm. your sentence yeah and you what what happens i mean where do you go from there 
Well, I finish parole um, on paper, or you know, I finish it um, out, going in, taking the drug test, doing all those things. I was in a sober living home, um, and then that was when I got really sick again, and they diagnosed me with now the disease that I have, Wegener's disease. Um, so I was not able to work. I was not able to financially be somewhere where I couldn't take I couldn't take care of my own bills. I couldn't take. I had fines to pay. I had sure. I had things to take care of. Stuff to do. Yeah. So I had a very special lady. She took me into her home um, with my child, and um, you know from there she, she was running some sober living homes. We was um, doing some Bible studies and just kind of doing some more things within that, and um, you know it's just kind of gone from there. So. What would you say if you could have a conversation? We just got a couple minutes here left. What if you could have a conversation with 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 a woman who's struggling, or anyone, not just a woman, just anyone that's struggling with addiction, struggling with um, any of those things like that? What would you What would you encourage? What would you say to them? Hmm. I would say that you have to keep Jesus. Okay. You Can you to, flesh that out a little bit? What do you mean okay. by keep Jesus? What do you mean by that? You have to keep Jesus um, at the center of your life. You have to choose Jesus for one and allow him to choose you, right? Okay. Because he's He's not going to go against your will. Um, so if you're struggling um, in any areas, I would just say go to Christ. Go to Jesus. Let him heal you from the inside because there's things that happen to you even as a child that maybe you didn't ask for it to happen to you, but you've been so deeply hurt and um, defiled by it that, you know, it just kind of grows you up in a sense. I didn't really grow up with a father figure, Mm -hmm. so I had a really distorted view of what a father should look like or what a husband should look like. so you have to let Jesus into all those areas. Um, to so Jesus becomes the father to the fatherless, the yes, the husband to the husbandless, like that. That's yeah, a, yeah, that's yeah, and and he made it. He made it where you know I didn't miss not having those things anymore. I wasn't looking for fulfillment from men anymore because yeah. I had my I had my figure, you know. Sure. I had my I had my father, and he was a good father, and he was good to me and for me. Mm. Um, so you just, and then you just got to go in and go wholeheartedly. Um, don't, don't go this way or that way. I promise you I've, I've done that too. And, um, the only thing that works is Jesus Mm. and keeping your focus on him. How important has it been to be a part of a church community? Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me tell you, you will fall if you try to stand alone. Um, Having people like you and your wife and, um, you know, even the Christian friends that I have developed, um, Mm. it's vital because you're all, you're all hands and feet. You're all there for different reasons. And it's vital to have different levels too of, of Christian friends, you know, ones that you are teaching and ones that are teaching you. It's good to just have a good, to a do all balance. those. Yeah. To uh-huh. have that balance. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, praise the Lord. I, I am so encouraged by your story. Um, 
I know you're on Facebook and you're doing you're doing a lot of things out there. So if they want to find you, they can find you on Facebook, just Angela Allison. Uh huh. Okay. Yep. So if they want to find you that way, you can hear more of your testimony there, more of the more absolutely. of your ministry. Uh, yeah. That's there, and encouragement. So. Yes, I yeah, try to keep um, a positive. Um, you know, you can fail. And um, you can be forgiven. And there's so much power in that because a lot of times we feel like there's just no hope. But there is. Awesome. And it's Jesus. Amen. Will you dismiss us in prayer? Absolutely. Awesome. God, I just thank you for this moment. Lord, I thank you for the people that are listening mm. to this right now, God. Father, I just ask that you open their ears, you open their heart, and you open their eyes to see you, God, for who you are and for all that you are able to do in their life. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity. I never knew when I was sitting in that jail cell, God, that I'd be here today doing these things. Amen. Father, it just proves your goodness. It proves your, your almightiness, Lord, and mm. that you are able to do any and everything that you want to do, Lord. Father, I just pray that that each man and woman, that they just become a vessel to be used by you, God. Yeah. And that you just point them in the direction to go, Lord, and that you just sail them along their way to helping and healing and, and serving others, God. Mm. So I thank you for Pastor Caleb. I thank you for this radio station. And I thank you for this opportunity. And in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I hope that story, that that story of the gospel just really encouraged your heart this week and just challenged you. I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. And if you're willing to repent of your sins, 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. Like that's a that's the good news. Um, you, can, you can pray, you can repent right where you are and Jesus will hear you on the authority of God's word. Um, if you repent, He's willing to forgive. So my my challenge for you is, is to find Christ to be sufficient, to lay your sins at his feet and repent. If you'd like to find out more about what's going on here at the Northfield Radio Program, you can check out my website, www.calebgordon.com. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. This program has been brought to you by DSR, a technology company that has been investing in Bartles of the Families for over 35 years. DSR, we deliver technology.